It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is a drizzly Friday on November 19th, 2021. I'm Kelly Reese and this is the KVMR Evening News. Tonight on the California Report, standardized tests like the SATs will no longer be a determinant as to who gets into University of California schools. And kinks with the COVID vaccine appointment my turn site have reportedly been ironed out. Beginning today, anyone who is eligible should be able to sign up for their booster shots on the government website. After entertainment, news, and weather, Al Stoller gives us a lowdown on a project providing bikes to Afghan refugees in Sacramento. And Felton Pruitt talks with Paul Lax of the band IC Hawks LA to close out tonight's newscast. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Standardized tests like the SAT exam won't be a factor from now on when it comes to determining which applicants get into a University of California school. UC Provost Michael Brown made that announcement yesterday after a long discussion at the UC Board of Regents meeting. Regent Eloy Ortiz Oakley is chancellor of the California Community College System and recently has spent time as an unpaid advisor to the Biden administration. He spoke to the rest of the regions about what he's seen in that role. I've spent a lot of time uh, across the country the last uh, few months, and the issue of standardized testing is a big issue across the country, not just here in California. Uh, and for what it's worth, uh, many people do point now to the University of California's actions um, as a model going forward, particularly in light of the increased diversity that we've begun to see in admissions. The Board of Regents came to the decision after it was determined no alternative tests could avoid biased results. It was that concern about bias based on things like race and family income that led UC leaders to phase out these tests in the admissions process last year. Instead, more emphasis will be placed on students' high school academic records. Let's turn from higher education to the gas station. As of yesterday, the average price of a gallon of regular gasoline in California was $4.60 According to AAA, that's a record high and more than $1.50 higher than this time last year. In response to high gas prices across the country, President Biden is asking the Federal Trade Commission to investigate whether oil companies are doing anything illegal to inflate fuel prices. UC Berkeley energy expert Severin Bornstein says it's highly unlikely oil companies are colluding. The fact is most of the reason that gasoline prices have gone up is because oil prices have gone up and oil prices are set in the world market. So it is not the U.S. oil companies that are driving up oil prices. It is supply and demand in the entire world market and the world economy is coming back from the pandemic and supply hasn't really caught up. And Bornstein told the California report prices will come down eventually. The futures market for oil is showing that uh, the forecast is that prices are going to gradually decrease over the next couple of years. Now, that's no guarantee, but that's probably the best guess out there. The only thing that will bring gas prices down for good, Borenstein says, is if California follows through on its climate goals of reducing our dependence on fossil fuels. Okay, you've heard from an energy expert. Now let's go to an actual gas station. KQED Central Valley reporter Alex Hall talked with people filling up their tanks in Fresno. They told her high fuel prices are making it harder for them to afford the basics. 
Melissa Diaz is filling up her tank at a shell station on the corner of Shields and Maroa in Fresno. She's an independent contractor and drives around a lot for her job. The cost of gas, she says, has forced her to turn down jobs outside of town. And she's had to cut corners elsewhere. We've had to water down our milk. Don't tell my kids that, but we have to water down the milk. They don't know any better, but yeah, it's like everything. Price is ridiculous. While Thanksgiving usually means traveling 45 minutes south to see her family in Hanford, this year they're going to stay home. It's hard to, to figure that out right now. With, you know, and then Christmas coming up, Thanksgiving's coming up, and it's like, I don't think we're going to have a turkey this year. I think we're just going to go ahead and do like hamburgers or something. That's really what it's come to. At a Sinclair gas station across town, some say they're not worried. Prices will likely go down again soon. Others say they've had to give rides to family members who couldn't afford the gas. Carissa Hurtado, who works at a nearby Amazon Fulfillment Center, says she's heard new employees are getting higher wages. But that doesn't help if prices are also up. Here in California, it's expensive. She and her boyfriend are considering leaving the state, starting somewhere new, somewhere more affordable. Um, I'm thinking maybe Oregon or Washington, to be honest with you. It's not as expensive as it is over here. Um, from what I've seen in the last year, going over there for gas, it's cheaper. It used to take me 10 bucks to fill this bike up, now it takes me 20. At the next pump over, Russ Sacra says he's been riding his motorcycle because it gets better gas mileage than his pickup truck. He looks over at the meter that stopped running. That's what I can afford now, 1064, and I used to fill it up and keep it full all the time. So, thanks Biden. No matter who or what is to blame, AAA says 48 million people are expected to travel by car this Thanksgiving, regardless of gas prices. For the California Report, I'm Alex Hall in Fresno. Let's turn to the pandemic. Last week, the state updated its guidance to urge pretty much all Californians to get a COVID booster shot. Now, over a week later, and after much confusion online, the state's My Turn vaccine scheduling site has finally caught up. KQED's Carly Severin has more. California changed its messaging on boosters nine days ago, telling providers not to turn anyone away from getting an extra shot. But many online systems, including MyTurn, still asked patients if they qualified under the CDC's original criteria, such as age or health. Today, that's finally changed. MyTurn has been updated to open up boosters to everyone 18 and over. Some pharmacy websites still have that federal criteria, but the CDC will meet tomorrow to discuss expanding boosters nationwide. For The California Report, I'm Carly Severn. And staying on the vaccine front, dozens of children from Mexico got a chance to be vaccinated across the border yesterday. It's all part of a pilot program in San Diego County to get hundreds of teens ages 12 to 17 vaccinated against COVID-19 by the end of the year. The county donated the doses as they would have otherwise gone unused. The teens will return in about three weeks for a second shot. Mexico has resisted vaccinating this age group in part because they've been more focused on adults and don't have the supply to keep up with an increased demand in the country. Support for the California Report comes from Real California Milk, reminding listeners to take three simple steps to recycle gallon milk jugs. Pour it, cap it, bin it. Learn more at RecycleTheJug.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together. On the web at SchmidtFutures.com. And the California Healthcare Foundation, 
working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system on the web at chcf.org slash health dash equity. And that is the California Report for Friday, November 19th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Danny Bringer and Katie McMurrin, with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Tobin Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great weekend. A quick public health update before we get into today's entertainment news. Nevada County Public Health has confirmed two deaths from COVID-19 for two consecutive days. Two individuals passed yesterday, November 18th, and two more Nevada County residents reportedly died today. The two additional fatalities bring the county's death toll to 109 since the start of the pandemic. In addition, the county's public health department reports 37 new confirmed COVID-19 cases today. Out of 9,460 cases since the start of the pandemic, 192 are active, 12 people are hospitalized, and 3 are in the ICU. And shifting away from the latest in Nevada County public health to local entertainment news, November is Art and Culture Month for Placer County. From 12 to 8 p.m. tomorrow and Sunday, Blue Line Arts Art Bazaar will be in full swing. Holiday shopping can be difficult at the best of times, but this affords everyone the opportunity to shop local and support small, independent businesses, artists, and craftspeople. The Art Bazaar is open on Vernon Street in Roseville for this weekend only. Here's a question for you. Have you always wanted to learn how to knit? Madeline Helling Library hosts their Newbie Knitters group tomorrow morning from 8 to 12 p.m. No experience is necessary to join. Everyone is just starting out on their knitting journey, so no need to feel shy. And of course, skilled knitters are welcome too. All supplies are provided. Newbie knitters will meet on certain Saturdays throughout December and January as well. Your favorite smart aleck mutt is in town. Sierra College puts on Snoopy, the musical, this Saturday from 8 to 10 at the Dietrich Theater on their Rockland campus. Based on none other than the beloved Peanuts comic strip by Charles Schultz. This production sparkles with wit and warmth as it depicts life as seen through the eyes of Schultz's unforgettable characters. Musical numbers include Just One Person, Poor Sweet Baby, Don't Be Anything Less Than Everything You Can Be, Edgar Allan Poe, and Daisy Hill. Don't look at me with your cries of good grief if you miss this performance. All about the handmade gifts this holiday season? The Truckee Roundhouse Makerspace provides a 40-minute public tour beginning at 1 p.m. this Saturday. The tour is great for those interested in taking classes at the space or if you just want to know what's available and what they get up to. The Center for the Arts and Fantastic Seats presents Diggin' Dirt this Saturday evening. Originally from Humboldt County, Diggin' Dirt plays a funky combination of Afrobeat, reggae, and rock. The seven-piece band includes horns and their heavy groove element inspires audiences to get up and dance. Doors open at 7.15. This weekend, take a look behind the curtain as Nevada City Winery allows you in their barrel room for their annual warehouse sale. The winery clears out their library of rare finds and overruns from 12 to 4 p.m. this Saturday and Sunday, giving you the chance to snag whatever comes your way. Wine barrels are also part of the bargain. It's truly a weekend of crafting events. The Banner Mountain Artisans Holiday Show Sale is back after a pandemic-induced hiatus. You know what that means. Artists have double the creations to show this time round. 
These artists are juried, meaning they must qualify and be voted on by the group. Despite the high quality of goods, Banner Mountain Artisans says there will be items in every price range. The Miner's Foundry presents Harmony Happens this Sunday from 4 to 7 p.m. Twas the Sunday before Thanksgiving, so join in as they kick off the holiday season with some harmonious music. Harmony Happens sings a variety of familiar harmony-heavy songs, primarily from the classic rock and folk genres, but sometimes they throw in contemporary surprises for fun. And now for your regional forecast. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, patchy fog between 7 p.m. and 3 a.m. Otherwise, mostly clear with a low around 41. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 63 and some light wind in the afternoon. And Sunday will be sunny with a high near 63. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 26. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 46. And Sunday will be sunny as well with a high near 50. And for our friends to the south in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight mostly cloudy, then gradually becoming clear with a low around 46. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 64. Sunday is set to be sunny with a high near 62. Up next, science correspondent Al Stoller speaks with Foothill resident Matthew Blum about how he and a group of friends have been getting bikes from the Seven Hills School Bicycle Recycle Project to Afghan refugees in Sacramento. How does Sacramento come to have a large Afghan community? I asked one of our contacts that question, and he said, everyone around the world knows about California. And there were refugees already coming to Sacramento before this latest wave starting in August. So once there's a community established, when there's new refugees coming, they look often to where there already is some of their community. And Sacramento has become one of those places in the United States. How did you learn about the Seven Hills Bike Project? I am speaking here for about eight others who have been involved in this. And one of uh, my friends called around to different bike shops to see a, if we could, if there any donations, and also we had some bikes that we wanted to repair and then pass on to the refugees. And they told us about Ben Preston and the Seven Hills Middle School program. And so we went out there and saw that incredible program they have for kids repairing and passing on bicycles. They have normally been doing donations through Loaves and Fishes down in Sacramento and have not been doing that due to COVID. They had bicycles and were very enthusiastic about getting them in the hands of the refugees. So we've brought down some already, and now we are in process of getting photos of about 20 adults and kids and giving those to the kids at Seven Hills so they can have a photo of someone that they're making the bike for. Who knows? Maybe we'll do a pen pal thing or something. Some of these bikes are going to kids, but not nearly all. There's some very large families. The first one that we started working with has 12 uh, members in the family, and many of the others are seven, uh, nine. They are without anything, including transportation. What kind of organization are you working with? How did it get started? We're a group of friends. We've done service trips in many places around the world. Then 
come August, there was suddenly hundreds of thousands of refugees and 125,000 of them came to the U.S. And from what I've heard, around 200 families, about 1,500 people ended up in Sacramento. So we were looking for something to do. So my friends called just to see where they could start making contacts. This all happened people to people. We weren't working through an organization to do it. We got on the phones and hit some dead ends initially, um, but then found some people who were in contact. And basically now there's a, a flood of need. These people are showing up without possessions. Some of them even had their bags lost on the way. They've been often in a camp for about a month getting their paperwork and vaccinations and everything processed before they even, quote unquote, set foot into their new life. So we we reached out and ended up making some connections. And, and then it was really looking at, OK, initially they're arriving in an apartment with nothing. So we um, arranged to get some mats that we sewed covers on. Um, this actually came from our experience in Turkey working with Syrian refugees where they would have often three families inside of one apartment and they couldn't have big old queen beds sitting in the middle. They'd have these mats on the floor they'd sleep on and then they'd pick them up and put them against the wall the rest of the day so they could actually move about in the room. And same for some of these families, there's 12 in a two bedroom apartment. So getting them the mats, sewing the covers on them, got uh, basic cooking supplies, dishware, and then found out like, okay, they could really use some way to have internet access. So getting some smartphones or tablets. And one of the men suggested, you know, they actually could use a sewing machine because they make all their own clothes. And at one point then we also uh, reached out on local forums and asked if people had things like sewing machines or bicycles or used computers or uh, blankets or clothing, things like that, and got a very warm response from the local community that we then sorted through and passed on to the families. But that that's really uh, been the extent of what we've done, and it really came from, okay, how can you reach out to someone who's clearly in need and see what, what you could do, even on a human-to-human -human level? Matthew, if people would like to get in touch and help out or just find out more, how can they get in touch? They can reach out to me and I can help to pass on those who are interested. Uh, my email is learnbyliving at gmail.com. That's learnbyliving at gmail.com. Matthew, it's been really good talking with you. I wish you luck in this program. Thanks very much. Okay, thanks, Al. I'm speaking with Matthew Blum who is part of an interface between the Seven Hills School Bicycle Recycle Project and refugees from Afghanistan. For KVMR, I'm Al Stoller. Up ahead, Felton Pruitt speaks with Paul Lax of the alternative country band IC Hawks in L.A. The Los Angeles-based band will be playing in Sacramento at the Sophia. Lax discusses the difficulties of writing and recording during the pandemic and how isolation from quarantine informed their latest sound. A quick note to our listeners, this interview runs a little long, but stick around. Right after the newscast, we'll be debuting Curtain Call. KVMR broadcasters Cy Musiker and Holly Grimaldi-Flores provide a resource for everything local entertainment, arts, and culture. We're talking with Paul Lax from Icy Hawks in L.A. Now, you folks might be wondering what that is. That's a wonderful band, and they're coming to our area on December 10th and 11th, and they also have a new album out called On Our Way, their 10th album 
Paul, it's wonderful to talk with you again. Likewise. Great to chat with you. I think the last time we did an interview was sitting out at Evangeline's up in uh, Colfax about seven, eight, nine years ago or something like that. Oh, yes. That's a very lamented club. That was really great. It was. Evangeline, she stayed a really good friend of ours. We do a show with her like every couple of years up in her territory. Yep, in Carson City or that area. Yeah. Well, you're coming to our area. You're going to be playing at the Sophia in Sacramento on December 10th, supporting the new album On Our Way. So uh, good things happening for Icy Hawks in L.A. It's good to be back playing live. It was a serious emotional hit, as it was for everyone. I mean, we, I consider all the members of the band fortunate. You know, we didn't have financial crises or anything like that. And we're, you know, we were able to remain isolated. But uh, to not play live was, you know, I was surprised at how much uh, it just went on for so long. You realize what a big part of your life it is, something you take for granted. But to suddenly, you're just not playing out. It was very strange. Well, I know in past albums, you have sung about things like fires in Southern California, which touches everybody personally. Is there a song on the new album that talks about the pandemic? That's a really good question. Um, Right off the bat, yes. Radio Keeps Me on the Ground was, believe it or not, it was an assignment from, there's a radio station down here, 88.5, kind of the main Americana station in L.A. And the music director, Nick Harcourt, said, would love to hear songs kind of COVID-related or inspired by local artists. So uh, some friends of ours uh, in a band called Great Willow got in touch and say, hey, let's do a collaboration. So uh, so that's where that came from. But it's the verses are, are about COVID, sort of obliquely. I'm trying to remember now. I've played that song a couple times, and I remember there was, that's what made me ask the question now. It's all coming back to me. You know, a lot of the songs are certainly emotionally informed by the period. Um, I think we'd been in lockdown for three or four months, and just like, you know, summertime, and that's generally our touring time, and uh, we're like, well, let's, uh, radio was kind of a training period for that. We did it all, you know, remotely. We were never in the same room, and it, it worked. So, I mean, we really isolated. We were very strict. None of the Hawks saw each other for a year if you can believe that i mean i would drop a hard drive up at rob's and we sort of wave over the fence but we really didn't see each other which is you know we're like best friends so it's it was very strange but we made these musical connections emailing each other files vocals and drums and stuff and uh It worked. We discovered you really could record remotely, and it would still sound like music. Well, transferring files over the internet has been a recording trick for many, many years now. I guess everybody everybody just got good at it. Exactly. Um, I guess the difference for us, or for any maybe more Rootsy-type band, is we generally record live. Whatever song we're doing, it'll be all four of us, and then we can overdub from there. But that band feeling of playing together is you kind of have to recreate it when you just trade files um, because the drummer and the bass player are not playing so to to have all four players playing in isolation was that was a little bit new for us well it came out really fine i think well thank you it made us break all our old habits so i think we broke a few songwriting habits and arrangement habits um 
yeah, I think there's a couple of directions that are new for us that I'm 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 glad we uh we pursued. And the whole thing was kind of the silver lining for the the COVID period. It kind of kept us sane, and it also it it was a uh, it was creative. It, it felt it was a very creative process. We're talking with Paul Lax from Icy Hawks in L.A. They're going to be coming up to our area, uh, playing at the Sophia in Sacramento on December 10th, and then at the Sutter Creek Provisions on December 11th. That's a Saturday. You know, Paul, we've been talking for a number of years. I don't know if I've ever asked you, where the heck did you come up with the name Icy Hawks in L.A.? Now, it's not I.C. as in the letters. It's I actually see Hawks in L.A. What's that all about? Well, it was... It was 1999. It was my brother Anthony's 30th birthday, and we were driving up to Vegas to, you know, gamble. And um, we stopped off in East Mojave Preserve, which is beautiful. I I shouldn't even mention it because as soon as you mention a place, suddenly it's full of people. But uh, it's a more obscure part of the high desert. And at at that point, just no one ever went there. So um, we, we passed Zizek, and we saw the the sign for Nipton, which is the town in the area. It's little, actually, it's, it's just a railroad, an old railroad stop. And so we just, you know, we had hours to go. We were, got an early start, so we decided to go on a hike and um, just pulled off the road and smoked some herb and, you know, ran up into the hills. And I didn't know Rob heartily. He and Anthony had a group together called The Magic of Television. This is Rob Waller, our lead singer and my co-songwriter. And so we hadn't spent much time together as a trio. So this was really fun. We just ran around through rocks at each other. And um, <laughs> I'm like, I like these guys. This is a, this is a fun hang. And so we're like in kind of our herbally enhanced state of mind. And we're like, we're going to start a country band together and we're going to call it Icy Hawks in L.A. Because um, we'd all been seeing a lot of hawks in Los Angeles that winter for some reason. And so I don't know who coined the, the band name, but uh, it sort of sprung into uh, our collective mind at that moment. And, you know, but we actually followed up on it. Like, uh, it took a few months, but then we just started songwriting, me and Rob and Anthony, and very informally. And then uh, we had about five or six songs and we're like, well, shoot, should we, are we going to, what are we going to do? So um, we went up to uh, David Jackson's house. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's a phenomenal musician, bass player, singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist. He's played with Amy Lou Harris and he was John Denver's bass player for years. I think he was an original member of Dillard and Clark, if you can believe yeah, that. He goes, okay. He's kind of at the heart of the, the creation of, you know, uh, I guess country rock or whatever. So, and I, I played in a couple projects with him. And so we, he's kind of like our guru, you know, because he's real smart guy. And so we went up to his house and he goes, great, let's record these. And, um, we're okay. We're like, okay. And so he pulls out microphones and Rob and I are like, you mean like record them right now? (laughs) He's like, well, yeah. So we're like, uh, okay. So we, I mean, we didn't have arrangements or anything, but we just sort of played them and he played it back and it sounded good. So those, those wound up actually on our first record, those, those yeah. recordings he, he cut for us. So that got us launched and, and David played on the first record and um, Anthony and, and Brantley Kearns, the fiddle player. 
That was the original band. And in one of your songs, I think it's Humboldt, you talk about the price of a pound of pot being $3,000, which dates the song quite a bit now. Oh, I know. So <laughs> if you do any more songs, you're going to have to re reevaluate those prices. We all grow our own weed, so... At this point, I have more ounces than I know what to do with. Basically, just give them away. So I think that's great. I think it's ridiculous that it's a, uh, you know, it it should be free and just in everyone's backyard, and <laughs> you know, eliminate all this, you know, these mega stores with the armed guards and stuff. You know, I I think it's great that it's uh it can be a free commodity. Hey, we've been talking with Paul Lax from Icy Hawks in L.A. They're coming up and playing. Uh, at the Sophia in Sacramento on December 10th, and then at the Sutter Creek Provisions on December 11th on Saturday. The new album is On Our Way, and always just a, a joyful time whenever you get to see you guys play. So we're looking forward to having you come up here. Well, thank you so much. We, I, we Believe me, we are very excited. They're both great venues. The Sophia is, like, unbelievably good-sounding, and the crew are super cool, and yeah, it's, uh, we're, we're really uh, jazzed to be coming up. All right, that's Paul Axe from Icy Hawks in L.A. You guys travel safe. All right, thanks. I we'll, we'll, we'll hope I'll see you up there. That's our newscast for this Friday, November 19th. KVMR gets support from Automotive City, offering complete automotive service for foreign or domestic vehicles, also smog testing. Napa Auto Care Center and AAA facility, Monday through Thursday, 7 to 4.30, and Friday mornings. AutomotiveCityGrassValley.com Stick around. As we mentioned earlier, we have a special new program for you this evening instead of our normal The California Report magazine. Up ahead is the inaugural episode of Curtain Call with Cy Musiker and Holly Grimaldi Flores, a show that hopes to become your go-to reference for highlighting local arts, music, and culture. Then at 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for listening. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off.